0: Good morning everybody, I'm Joe Shannon, I'm part of the leadership team here and it's so great to be speaking with you this morning. Um, the last time I spoke was actually all the way back in April, uh, so just kind of bear with me a little bit while I warm up a little bit here. Um, if you've been coming for the last two, uh, few weeks, you should know by now that we're in a series on belonging and uh, we've been looking at what does it mean for us as a community of View Church to belong here, what does it mean to belong in a Christian community like this? Without making it sound too much like some kind of cult or weird dysfunctional family, uh, though of course we all know family does bring with it an element of dysfunction, right? So, Pastor Johnny has set us up so well uh, the past here past few weeks with the need for belonging. What does it really mean? What is God's view of community? One where we're able, as he said last week, to bear one another's burdens and really in, in plainest terms to go beyond just the simple kind of two-minute gathering that we just experienced. Hey, how are you? Nice to see you. Hope you're having a good week. See you again next Sunday. Um, and, uh, and to actually take the time throughout our lives, throughout outside of the Sunday experience, to really go beneath the surface. And that's a phrase that we use a lot here in this community It's so easy for us, and I'm going to talk about easy things and difficult things this morning. It's so easy to just come for two hours once a week and go and live our separate lives. But it's going to cost us something if we really want to be growing, right? We actually have to care about the people that God has called us to walk with. And all of the people in this room, some people watching online, other people on vacation, right? We're in the summer months. But as we say here a lot, we want to be a transforming people who transform our worlds. And that means that no matter where God has planted you, no matter what you're doing with your life, no matter what job you have, if you have kids, if you don't have kids, if you have grandkids, if you're retired, maybe you're trying to start a business or you're in school, if you have absolutely no idea what you're supposed to be doing with your life or you're maybe disillusioned because you feel like God has spoken some things, or you have some dreams, but you're just not seeing it happening right now. If you're here today, we all have something in common that binds us together as a community, and it's Jesus. Whether you've been coming here for 30 years or three weeks, Jesus binds us together. And and let me tell you a little bit about what it means to follow Jesus. None of us are called to walk Uh, out our calling. Whatever God has called us to, whatever gifts you have or talents you have, none of us are called to walk out our calling outside the context of community. None of us are called to be isolated, even though sometimes we can feel isolated or choose to be isolated. And I want to challenge some people here today that that maybe some of you, not intentionally, but have, have found yourself believing some lies about community. And don't you think that our enemy, an enemy of God, is going to want God's people not to work together? Don't you think that if there's any way he could possibly keep us apart, stop us from really caring for one another, feeling that I'm just too busy or maybe they're probably too busy. I'm not sure if they really like me. I'm not sure if I really like them. The enemy is going to lie and cheat and twist things to see that division, see that offense, kill the community that God really dreams about us experiencing here. God has woven community and collaboration into our transformation. But transformation will not be forced upon us. Transformation isn't just something that we randomly experience. We have to be intentional. And, and yes, we have to invite God on the journey, and we have to invite others into this journey. As complicated or as difficult as, or maybe even sometimes as tiring or frustrating as other people can be. But let me say this, we will not be transformed. We will not be transformed, and that includes ourselves, not just this body. We will not be transformed if we don't prioritize community. And and we will not see the world transformed. It's a wonderful vision statement, but we won't see it if we don't prioritize community and relationships in this space. So, so what have we got in Scripture uh, about doing community right? Let's have a little look at 1 Corinthians. Turn there with me now if you have your Bibles. We'll be in chapter 12. I'll put the words on the screen as well. But Paul is giving us lots of instructions, lots of instructions to the church in Corinth. And he's, he's just got done talking about spiritual gifts. And this really kind of dovetails from our last series uh, where we were focusing on, on the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts. And Let's stand together this morning to just honor this passage of scripture and then we'll start to unpack it a little bit. It's on. All right. So chapter 12, verse 12 says, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Everyone say one body. any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on the parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow even greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word that leads us, that guides us. We thank you for your word that is sharper than any double-edged sword. Lord, we thank you for the word that can penetrate our hearts, that can penetrate our minds, that can penetrate our circumstances. We pray that you would guide us this morning. Lord, help us to understand the sense of belonging that we can experience here. Help us to understand your dream of community. Lord, help us to understand, yes, some high-level concepts, but also some really practical things that can make a difference. And Lord, we want to be led by your Holy Spirit this morning. We want to be led by your tenderness. We want to be led by your words this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So we live in a world right now, um, as you can probably experience, with such hyper-individualization. It's pretty much celebrated when we can do things on our own and we don't need anyone else to help. We kind of pat ourselves on the back. We're maybe even seen as weaker in some circles. We're not up to the standard. If we need help and sometimes that can prevent us from reaching out uh, whether it's a very practical need that we have Maybe a skill that we don't possess or when we're going through something difficult and we just think ah, they're probably too busy They probably have their own issues. I don't know if what I have is is going to be a good use of their time and uh, Paul is laying it out so clearly for us here and I just want to highlight some of these scriptures Uh, for, For just as the body is one and has many members, many members, in one spirit, we are baptized into one body in Christ. We're one in Christ. This has been such a big theme for us this year as we look at our identity, but it is Christ who draws us together as followers, and he's the reason that we're a family. All who believe are in Christ. But how many of you know that we're all so very different? We're all so very different, and we're not the same. And that's the whole point. If we skip to verse 21 here, it says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. That means absolutely necessary. Turn to someone next to you this morning and say, You you can point if you want. You are absolutely necessary to this community. God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another, the same care for one another. So let me ask you today, how is your care for these people, for these very specific people? And maybe some of them are online, maybe some of them aren't here, but in this community that we call Point View Church. How is your care for these people? And I don't want to just say, you know, how is your care for your neighbor or don't you love these people? Aren't these great memories that we've had together over the years? How is your care, that true loving awareness and burden carrying that Johnny talked about last week? Do we have the capacity to carry one another's burdens? Do we have the energy to go the distance? Do we have the care to walk alongside one another when we get frustrated? Are we attentive? Not just waiting for someone to come to us when they have nowhere else to go, for the very people in this community. And and God calls us to embrace each of the different members. He doesn't call us to be best friends with everyone. He doesn't call us to be vulnerable with all our deeper secrets with everyone. But he does call us to walk alongside one another. He does call us to be able to walk with other people to discover our differences And grow in spite of those differences and you know because of the phrase we use uh, a lot iron sharpening iron where we can demonstrate honor despite all our differences we must honor every part of the body not just the parts we like not just the parts that we want to honor or we recognize that we should honor but the parts not just the parts that help us with our own agenda it's a great challenge this morning. And I know this is kind of high-level stuff, that yes, we should honor one another, we should feel a sense of belonging. But I want to get really practical. Uh, For those of you who know me, I'm typically the one asking, but what are we actually going to do with this? And and when are we going to do it by? Um, And I'm I'm always wanting to draw out the simple things that we can be doing in in a principle of a passage of Scripture like this. And I really want us to be able to enhance the relationships we have And I don't want to stay too much at the high level. So I think I've covered the fact these are the high levels, if you're taking notes. We need to, as a community, we need to embrace our differences. We have differences, we need to embrace them. We need to honor each part of this very diverse body. And we need to invest and engage in and be part of authentic relationships. But how do we actually do these things? How do we do them well? How do we do them very practically even if we agree that they're they're good things to do. What happens when we're engaging in relationships and something just comes to the surface? We find ourselves frustrated or angry or hurt or offended or maybe just irritated by something that someone says or does or doesn't do. And it's really important that we have the care to try to understand why that is, not just put our wall up and go about our separate ways. And the key point here, just to to emphasize, if we're frustrated, if we're upset, if we're irritated, that's not the issue. It's it's not about how we can minimize those kinds of experiences, because it's inevitable that there will be frustrations in a diverse community. There will be different perspectives. There will be times where we find ourselves clashing. But the key is, what do we choose to do when that frustration actually comes up? Because if you're someone who's part of this community and your expectation is that you'll never be frustrated, you'll never be angry, you'll never be upset, or you want to maybe even try and keep your distance in order of, order to minimize some of those frustrations, I'm here to tell you today that, that you might have an unrealistic expectation of what this community will be like. It's not that we're all horribly unreasonable or difficult people, it's not that we're all a pain to be around, but because we're all different, different will create some clashes. That ironing, sh- iron sharpening iron, right? There's going to be little shards of metal that are breaking off as that's happening. There's friction, there's heat, there's, there's sharpness, there's, there's an understanding of that conflict. Different opinions, different preferences, different expectations. So again, turn to someone next to you and say, we go to the same church And we're different. Now turn the other way, get your eyes really wide and say very different. (laughs) Now when we get frustrated or upset with something that someone says or does, it's very common for us in those situations to try and predict what they're thinking, to assume what they're thinking, to assume what they're saying, um, even the way they're acting. And it's common for us in those situations to try and read people's minds. And this painting here is a a watercolor um, where we think about this, this abstract concept of what is another person thinking when we're in life together, when we're facing one another. We're different. We can assume a lot. We can feel like we're maybe even good at discerning, oh, they must think this, or they must be upset about this, or I probably didn't do this, and they're probably mad about that. But we must choose, though we may have those discernments, we have, may have those observations about people, we still are called to try to minimize those assumptions and stop mind reading and actually go to the person before making a choice to do something, before even making a choice to get upset. And sometimes some time passes, but have a think about those times where you may have been trying to read someone's mind, maybe trying to assume what they think, and it's caused you to go a different direction, maybe it's caused you to withdraw, or maybe it's caused you to actually go to someone else and talk about all of the things that you think are happening. So I want to just give you an example here, um, just this, this example of a couple, we'll call them Jack and Layla. Uh, they've been married for 10 years, they have two beautiful kids, lovely little life, uh, and it's one rainy morning, Jack wakes up to the sound of rain pounding against the window at 6am, and just feeling a little out of it. And some of you can resonate with some of those days, feeling out of it. He's just feeling like maybe he woke up on the wrong side of bed. He's got a lot on his mind. Work has been crazy. He's had a disturbed night's sleep. He's tense. He's realized he's a little bit late. And he has an early meeting, so he's rushing. He trips over this pile of clothes. He, he mumbles a few snide comments about the state of the house to his wife, the piles of laundry, the dishes from the night before. And he walks out of the house To his car without even saying goodbye. The stage is set. Some of you are are remembering some times where you've had similar interactions like this as husband and wife. Layla is annoyed. He didn't eat the breakfast that she'd made him. Her mind is already racing. Why is why is he mad at me? Have I done something to upset him? Yeah, he made those comments, but as the day goes on, she begins to stew over it a little bit more, and things get a little bit more dramatic. In her head, Jack's been like this a lot lately, actually, and he's been working a ton lately. Is he falling out of love with me? What, what's wrong with me? Maybe some more time passes, and she texts Jack through early and uh, just kind of casually see what how his day's going, if he's okay, if he needs anything. No reply. Then things shift in her head. Why is he being so immature? How can he make such a big deal out of these tiny things? Why is he so rude to me? I don't deserve to be treated this way. And then we kick things up a notch. Jack had been calling every day at work this week. Every day at lunch, he'd been calling just to check in. Today, nothing. No call. Maybe he really is mad at me. And now it's three o'clock. It's still raining outside. It's just one of those gloomy days. And Layla thinks to herself, well, I guess it's it's worse than I thought. This is such a mess. I, I don't even really want to face him when he comes home now because I don't have the energy for an argument. We don't have time to talk about this. Really, he's uh, you know the kids have a practice to get to, and he has a meeting in the evening. Or what are we going to do? When when are we going to be able to face this? And just then, Jack walks through the front door with a bunch of flowers and says, "I'm sorry." I was in such a mood this morning. I got out of work early to come and spend some time with you. I had such a headache this morning and I said some things I shouldn't have. I, I know that you're going through a lot as well. And Layla is kind of taken aback and she responds, What, what do you mean? I've been, I've been texting you. Why didn't you call at lunch? Oh, yeah, sorry. With, with all this rain, I, I got out of the car this morning because I was rushing And uh, my phone fell straight into a massive puddle as soon as I got out of the car. Sorry, I, I should have sent an email or something. I didn't think that you would be too worried. The danger that, as you can see with stories like this, with assuming what a person is thinking or feeling without actually finding the truth is, as you've probably found out, you probably have examples, we could be wrong, right? We could be really wrong in some situations and and this is a husband and wife example you've all got stories of uh, friends or family or kids where there's just been an assumption maybe a conclusion that's drawn based on what we think and it can affect the rest of our day sometimes even longer than that and sometimes it can just be a quick yeah let's get over it and other times it can actually create some real landmines and some real issues so if we look at what scripture says about this principle of of mind reading. Let's look at the ninth commandment out of the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. This is just a quick verse here. You shall not give false witness against your neighbor. So why are we going back to the Ten Commandments here? What, what, What are we really saying? It basically means do not speak for someone else. Don't give your opinion. Don't give witness about someone else. When you don't have all the facts, when you don't have everything, when you haven't heard it from them directly. Don't make negative assumptions about people, even if it is based on past experience. And actually, you know, scripture tells us to believe the best about people, not believe the worst. And that's why we have to reach out to make certain, to hear it from them, to give them a chance to bear witness for whatever it is that you're going through. We have to hear it from them before you allow yourself too much time. I'm not saying it has to be instant, but too much time to get upset, to get angry, to change things that you're doing or to treat them differently based on just your assumptions and your predictions. Honor the person. Honor the p- person to make sure that communication is intact and choose not to live in this kind of false reality we must choose we must always choose to live in a reality based world not an assumption based world but to do that we need to take the initiative to ask people what they're actually thinking what they're actually feeling we have to take them at their word and proverbs 18 has some great wisdom to share about this i just want to bring up a few uh, verses here in verse 2 it says fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. In other words, fools don't ask what other people are thinking. They just say what they think, or they think what they think, or, rather than seeking to understand the person. In verse 13, to answer before listening, that is folly and shame. Verse 15, the heart of the discerning acquires knowledge. The ears of the wise seek it out. We must seek out the truth, not assume that we know another person's truth. We must honor what the other person is experiencing, despite their differences from us. And the differences may be big, right? But we choose to honor their chance to say it from themselves. We need to be people who seek the truth and move based on truth, Not based on our own assumptions and and actually sometimes it might be as bad as we thought we might be right We might have discerned or or understood or observed a real thing And you know Jack may have come home and they may have had a big fight and it may have been really bad But until that happens until you hear it from that person it can create a lot of issues But at least then we have a reason to react. And then we can make some decisions and we can make some choices. But we shouldn't react until we know the full truth. The second practical piece here is around expectations. And, uh, and expectations are not bad. Expectations are a good thing. It's good that you would have expectations about anything when you walk into a room, when you meet a group of friends, when you, whether you enter in a relationship, enter into a church even. But unmet expectations are what the real issue is for us. Unmet expectations can turn into more arguments, more disagreements, more anxiety, more issues throughout any relationship that we have. And and it's time that we really take a look to how to deal with expectations. How do we clarify our expectations to other people in this body? How do we make sure that our expectations are real and, and valid and again, there's, there's nothing wrong with expectations, but that most important question that we should be asking is, is my expectation valid? Is it a valid expectation? And you, maybe you're thinking, well, great great question, Joe. How, maybe you could give me a quick little way to see if my expectations are valid. I'm very glad you asked. A valid expectation has four characteristics, almost like a four-part checklist, to see if your expectations are valid based on biblical standards. So if you're taking notes again, these are going to be key to come back to, maybe this afternoon when you reach boiling point at some expectation that was not met. Um, but seriously, this is, this is going to help some marriages today. This is going to help some friendships today. This is going to help some relationships that we have in the church, maybe even family, maybe even at work. Uh, so let's take them one at a time here today. So first way that we discover if our expectation is valid is if it is conscious. And What do I mean by a conscious expectation? Well, unconscious expectations are around things that you don't even realize were an expectation until you become frustrated, you become resentful, you become angry when it's not been met. I haven't heard from that person in a while. They haven't responded to my text from two weeks ago. I just reached out again and I've got nothing back. The mind reading starts, right? I I guess maybe they don't think about me or care about me as much as I care about them. I guess they're not interested in my life. I guess they don't have time for me. It's so easy for us to get caught in that trap. But, But really what's happened in this situation, I've just tried to read their mind and I wasn't aware that I had an expectation. They should reach out to me. They should care about me too. And, it, and it's not a selfish response that you would expect someone to respond to you. It's a valid frustration, but is it a valid expectation? Because it's not just enough for, for it to be conscious in your mind, right? And, and some of you will probably think that you know where I'm going with this. Secondly, it has to be realistic. And you might think, well, obviously it has to be realistic. The truth is though that unrealistic expectations are one of the leading causes for depression in our society. A husband might say, I expect my wife to handle all the gifts this year for Christmas. I just don't have time for that. She should be able to see that I don't have time for that. My mom always kind of handled the gifts in our family. We don't need to talk about it. She just needs to do it, right? That's an that's expectation. Is it realistic? That may be down to the unique couple or the unique family, right? Maybe a group of friends is chatting one night and they say, you know, before our friend Pete got together with this new girlfriend. We, we were playing golf every weekend. Now we're lucky if we see him unless he needs something from us. Maybe you think, I want my daughter and I to have deeper conversations. I want my family vacation to be restful at the beach instead of all this walking and sightseeing. I thought my coworkers would want to hang out with me a little bit more like we did at my last job. I need my husband to be home from work before 7 p.m. for once. The list goes on, right? When you notice yourself becoming frustrated with what's happening with the people in your life, do a little check to make sure it's realistic. And like I said, it might be realistic. It might be very realistic and very reasonable. But a lot of expectations are not always, third point, spoken. Right when we, when we try to just mind read, you can think very easily in yourself, this is my expectation, I think it's realistic, without actually ever spoken, speaking about it to the person. It has to be spoken out loud if you want your expectations to be uh, effective. You can't communicate expectations with your eyes, it's very difficult, even a lot of us try and do that sometimes. Wonderful quote from uh, Neil Strauss in one of his books says, unspoken expectations are premeditated resentments. Unspoken expectations produce resentment in the future. If you don't communicate, watch out for that kind of landmine that will produce resentment in your future. And and they got a lot of mmm and grunting there because so many of you are thinking right now, wow, I think I have some expectations that we haven't talked about and it causes a fight and it causes a disagreement and I can almost see them coming if we don't talk about this, right? How many of you have a little bit of resentment or frustration in your heart today because maybe someone has let you down but you might not have actually told them what your expectation was and and the fact that they missed it but you're already treating them differently. I need you to be able to do this but their reaction would be, well, I didn't know. You didn't tell me that. Well, they should just know if they're a good person. They should just realize that my expectation was realistic. They should just realize that this is important to me. They should pick up on my endless hints. And they should be able to see that I'm angry. But do we care enough? It goes back to care and honor. Do we care enough to understand? Do we care enough to see where the other person is coming from? Do we care enough? Will we honor the people that we're in community with by letting them share their points of view as well as sharing our points of view? When expectations aren't spoken, they will produce more division, more resentment, more agitation, more irritation, and it just kind of snowballs into this difficult time. But we can save ourselves a lot of pain and even time by making sure that we address these kinds of expectations up front and when they show up. So let's assume that you've realized an expectation that you have is conscious. You've named it in your heart. You believe it's realistic. You um, feel like what, what you have is important and you make the decision to talk to the person about it and why it's so important to you because you can't live with it anymore. The last step in this checklist is agreement. And this is such an important piece that I think we often miss, right? It's conscious, it's realistic, it's spoken. We've told them about it, but did they agree to it? And that is the only way that we have a valid expectation. This is a critical piece because think about any agreement in life whether you're buying something, whether you're signing some kind of contract, you don't have agreement if you don't have both sides. Right? You don't just say, someone's going to hand me this contract and, and that's it. You have to read it, you have to honor it, you have to sign it. And if they don't sign it, you have nothing. And, and of course, I'm not saying that uh, we all need to start drafting contracts with people and getting all official and, and laying everything out in lists in our relationships. But we do have a choice when we get frustrated with people and we will when we get angry and we will from time to time or maybe more commonly when we get disappointed or sad or even just a little upset, we have a choice. We dishonor people when we assume what what they're thinking and we dishonor people when we don't do our part to communicate our expectations and seek to understand truly understand other people and their expectations and of course we're called to serve one another in love and the alternative by the way there is there is an alternative the alternative is just not being in connection or community or deep relationship because it's easier to avoid all that stuff it's it's more desirable to control how much difficulty or conflict we experience. In many ways, it is simpler to be alone. But that's not where God wants us to stay. That's not where God desires us to stay. That's not how God has designed this body to function. It's tempting to try and impose our own order on the events and the relationships in our lives. The the mindset that, you know what, my life is hectic enough without the variable of other people in it. We put defences up, assurances up, to keep the unpredictable things and the unexpected things and the unexpected kind of meeting and clashing from intruding into our perfectly curated world. But this this way of living, as outlined in a wonderful book, Pastor Johnny gave me, "Invitation to a Journey," M. Robert Mulholland Jr. tried to say that quickly, says such persons as in people who want to control their lives, want to avoid the relational depth, such persons cannot be the persons that God intends them to be. They are imprisoned by the need to maintain control of their own existence. Such persons cannot be God's persons for others. They are captive to the need to protect themselves against others. Such persons cannot be agents of God's grace to a broken and hurting world. So we have another choice this morning, and God gives us so many choices in life. Do we really, truly want to be a church that reaches the broken and the hurting world with love? At the heart of reaching the world around us is relationships. Relationships. We're not called to reach the world alone, but together. This body exists together, to function together. Do we want to be a church that embraces conflict and and deals with disagreement in a healthy way? Do we want to be a church that embraces our differences, different expectations, honoring all the parts, and engages even when it costs us something? And it will cost us something. Love costs us something and most people they want the benefits of love they want the benefits of community and relationships even agree with the idea that we've that we need relationships and with other believers in the community but we don't want to pay the price to love and invest in those relationships in a deeper way than we sometimes can experience we like the idea of love we want the benefits of love We don't want to pay the price to love oftentimes. If we go back to where I started here in uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I just want to make a quick connection back. Paul had spoken about spiritual gifts, about our diversity. He's spoken about the need for honor, that there'll be no division. Then in chapter 13, he goes on to speak about the way of love that undergirds all of this. So just coming in partway through verse 2, if I have all faith so as to move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, even offering my body to death, but have not love, I gain nothing. I want to just close here with uh, Philippians chapter 2 because it so encapsulates... Uh, the themes of today and the the posture of our hearts. Do not be selfish. Don't try to impress, impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as greater than yourselves, better than yourselves, more than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Proactively take an interest in others too you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as greater than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others. Care for others. Understand that communication may be key to you and your expectations and that mind reading is a real trap that we can fall into. We must have same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Let's take more of an interest in others today. Let's show people how much we really care. Let's be known for how strong and healthy our relationships are. Let's let's be known for doing conflict well. Let's be known for communicating, not having an experience and then going talking about it with everyone else. Let's be known so that we can welcome people with the same attitude that Christ had, so that we can walk with one another and feel that sense of belonging, of being part of God's family, and and to come together as so many different parts to reach the broken, to reach the hurting around us. We can only get aligned with that love. We can only really feel that love and that care by looking at what Jesus did what was Jesus example connection to the father every time things got intense for Jesus every time a lot of things were happening in his ministry he spent time he retreated he got away in silence and solitude in prayer with the father so if you feel maybe a little overwhelmed by some of the practical things today, if you feel a little overwhelmed by the high-level things today, if you feel maybe yourself a little burdened, maybe you have some very real pain or, or things that need to be overcome in your life, and you say, oh, that sounds good. I'm just focused on this right now. Spend time with the Father. I encourage you. Spend time. Create margin, create areas in your life where you can get alone with God, get close to God, hear from God, not just to pray for the things that you want, but to say, God, what do you want for me? What are you involved with on this earth, in, in my job, in my life, in my community, in my family? What are you trying to do, and how can I get involved with that? And just having that heart posture to spend time with the Father, letting Holy Spirit begin to work on these things that keep you from feeling a real sense of love, a real sense of honor, and care for the people around you let's pray this morning. Lord, we thank you for this message Lord to some of us. this is uh, this has been our experience of community. Lord to some of us, we are just trying to survive we're just trying to get through the day, we're just trying to get through the week, the month. Lord, for some of us, we are on a journey where we don't know what's ahead in a way that seems a lot foggier than we think other people experience. And I just want to speak to that this morning, that if you feel alone, if you feel uh, separated, if you feel isolated, if you feel in lack, if you feel like the problems of the day, the problems of the week, the problems of uh, the month or maybe the year are just too much. You're you're so focused on issues or, or pain or difficult circumstances And you're looking down and you're saying, God, how can you do this? I just encourage you to just just lift your gaze up this morning and say, God, I want to spend time with you. I want to be filled with your love. I want to understand what you're doing and how I can participate in that. I want to serve this community. I want to serve the people in this community. But in order for me to even want to do that, I need to experience your love. I need to experience your truth. I need to experience, not just know it, not just know it in my head, not just understand these principles, not just understand these practical things. Lord, I need to experience your love and experience time with you so that I can be so energized, so excited to share that love with people around me, to share that love with different people around me, to share that love with people who have very different opinions than me, to share that love and to serve those people who have very different expectations than me. And God, we just invite your Holy Spirit. We want what you want in this place. We want what you want for this community. We want to be a place that welcomes all people. We want to be a place that welcomes one another, even when we're going through difficult things, even when things are great. And Lord, I just speak to those people who do feel in a good place this morning, who do feel like they have capacity, who who are enjoying life. Lord, help us to reach out beyond our four walls, beyond our um, comfort levels, beyond maybe even the... the The lies that the enemy has spoken about, other people being too busy, other people not wanting deep relationship, other people not wanting to engage, other people not really feeling up to it, or whatever it is, Lord, all those excuses and those mind readings that we can do, Lord, we just surrender those to you now and say, Lord, we want to be listening for your real-time voice that is directing us moment by moment, your real-time impressions and unctions and just kind of those feelings that we get that we say, I just feel like I should go and talk to that person. Lord, help us to reach outside of ourselves and to understand that we can help carry the burdens. We understand that we can help other people who need help. And and maybe some of those people are in this room, maybe some of those people are outside this room. Lord, we want to bring those things to you. We surrender to you again. We say, Lord, we're sorry for the ways that we have handled relationships poorly and we, we, we think about those times where we have really been burned, we have really been hurt, we've really been uh, angered or frustrated, maybe even the church. The church has caused a lot of issues around the world and Lord, we just say, Lord, we will not let those experiences, we will not let the past d- deter us from engaging. We will not let those walls that we've put up prevent us from being your hands and feet to this community, to our families, and to the world even beyond that. Lord, transform our hearts. Transform our hearts this morning by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.